Happiness is an inside job. At Happy Healthy You, Connie Bowman helps us find our way with inspiring conversations and healthy ideas for living a whole life in mind, body, and spirit. Happy Healthy You. And now here's Connie. Everybody, welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. I'm Connie Bowman. We have a new year upon us. How exciting is that? And I've got just the person to get us psyched for this new year, 2017. Oh my goodness, big year. So I talk to a lot of women on this podcast. I mean, it's no secret I'm a woman. <laughs> I love having my girls on. But lately, I've been um, talking to a lot more men, and I'm excited to have my next guest on. Justin Stenstrom is a nationally acclaimed life coach. He's an author, he's an entrepreneur, he's a speaker, and he's the founder of Elite Man Magazine, and he's the host of the Elite Man Podcast. And on that podcast, he interviews all kinds of people from self-help experts to people like Dan Millman. I was so excited to hear that. He's one of my uh, spiritual gurus. I love his writings. And he says... He was once anxious, insecure, depressed, and unhappy. Well, you would never know it by talking to him. Welcome to the podcast, Justin. Hey, Connie. Thanks so much for having me, and I appreciate that uh, great introduction. Oh, gosh. Thank you. Well, I was looking at everything you're doing with Elite Man, and you have your podcast, and then you've recently started a new podcast. So tell us how you got, how you got started with uh, all of this inspiring work. Yeah, I mean, it started for me uh, eight, nine years ago now. And uh, as you mentioned in the uh, sort of intro, I was very anxious, depressed. I was getting panic attacks three to four times a week. Um, you know, I, I had no social life, no dating life, no confidence. And it was just a terrible period of my life. And it lasted a couple of years. Um, but I sort of went down this whole self-help journey of you know self-discovery and getting over these these major issues and, uh, you know, flash forward a couple of years after that, I started helping other people out who were doing, who were going through some of these problems. And, you know, soon after that, I launched my first blog and I started blogging a lot. And then, you know, I came up with this idea to, to launch a podcast and that was the, uh, elite man podcast where we brought some of these guests on. And then, um, just in December 5th, this past, uh, you know, a couple of months, I decided to launch the second podcast, which is the Justin Stenstrom show. And that's where we bring on all sorts of um, incredible, you know, even bigger name guests and uh, self-help gurus and, you know, just some of the coolest and most interesting people in the world. Wow. Yeah. I've listened to some of your podcasts. They're awesome. You you really have some good guests. What, tell me, uh, how old are you, Justin, if you don't mind 20, me asking? Yeah, 26. 26. So you're, you're in that age group. I, I remember my 20s. <laughs> it was a while <laughs> ago. But in my 20s, I too had some, uh, like, anxiety and I was rushed to the hospital with a panic attack. I wonder if that's very common. Did you did you come in your research? Did you come to find out if the 20s were kind of uh, panic attack prone periods for us? Yeah, actually, I think it's one of the it's like late teens, um, probably 16 to 22, 23. That's like the highest range age group of like uh, proclivity to have panic panic attacks and anxiety for some reason I don't know if it's just kind of like the transitional period in your life or mm -hmm. you know, you're taking a big step from like being you know a, a sort of a young um, codependent child 
to like being an adult and like getting hit with like the real world. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that that's true. It, there's a higher instance of uh, anxiety and panic in that group. Yeah, I know for me, I had a, a, a brand new baby and my husband and I had started a business. So there was a lot going on in our lives, but... I don't know. I, I it kind of took me by surprise, and mm-hmm. and um, yeah. So I'm glad you're open about this because I think a lot more people. I'm sure you found that a lot more people as you start to talk about it have suffered from these, and they suffer in silence a lot of times. So it's good that yeah. you talk about it. Um, okay, so here's my next question: Why men? Why did you decide to? Because you could certainly talk to, and I, I I would imagine a lot of women listen into your podcast because they're pretty revelatory a lot of the subjects that you talk about so why men um yeah you're right and i, I started initially with men in the, the last podcast i came out with my own show mm-hmm. is for men and women because you know we're kind of geared just towards men and i wanted to open it up um, but we initially started with men or i did anyways just because um you know i am a man and the, the issues i had in my own life were um, like I mentioned earlier, dating issues, confidence issues, self-esteem issues. And I thought I could just relate to guys a lot better because these were a lot of personal issues that were just, um, you know, very um, apparent in my own life. And it just shifted over to like all these other guys I was meeting and coming across when I was on my own self-help journey, you know, going to like meetup groups and talking to people online in different forums and different chat rooms and stuff. And it was all um, it was all other guys just like me. So I figured, you know, when I figured this out myself, why not help all these other guys that I was coming across? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was like your own little anthropology experiment. So, (laughs) so tell me, what do you think are the big issues for guys your age? And we'll talk about women a little bit later on and we'll get into more general stuff about happiness, but what, for guys your age, what are the, what are the big, uh, things that are on your mind? Well, it's usually three things and like three, the sort of, uh, overhanging main subject groups that we cover. And it's, it's really their business, like what, what they want to do for a career and also something that they want to do that they're passionate about, something they love. And that's, you know, your entrepreneur types that I work with all the time, guys looking to figure out how to do, how to launch a blog or a podcast or, um, an e-commerce business, like how to set this up online where they can do this and it's actually something they love instead of just that nine to five. So it's usually um, career number one or, or business. The second thing is, is their personal. Well, I mean, the first thing's really a personal, but the, the second topic I'm mentioning now, um, sort of not in this order, but it's personal, like their, their confidence level, their uh, social skills, their um, self-worth, their feelings of if they're good enough or, you know, if they're going to be happy with what they're doing. It's all those are all sort of under the personal umbrella. And then the, the third thing is social. Um, their relationships, their networking, their ability to communicate with other people, their ability to connect with other people. That's also sort of an overlooked part of the spectrum of sort of happiness. And, um, you know, the, the sort of missing piece is as human beings, we all want to connect with other people. And in this day and age, you think it'd be easier with, you know, with social media, Facebook mm-hmm. and Twitter and all this other stuff, Snapchat, but it's actually... There's, there's been research on it saying that we're getting less and less connected because of social media. As great as it is, and I love it because it's, it just opens up so many doors for you. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you have to actively go out and, and 
make connections in person, which is something we don't do as much. And that's kind of the third and, and sort of final missing piece. Yeah, yeah. And and I think you guys, you guys have it right because you, it seems like the young people, my kids and, and their peers are really interested in building a life that is much more around happiness. And we're going to get into that a little bit. But I, I like that. I think, I think for those of my generation and and older, I think there was sort of a an assumption that you would carry on the work of your parents or do something similar to what they did. And there was very little uh, thinking about, you know, following your bliss, like Joseph Campbell, the great anthropologist who did all that research. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he did all the research about mythology and why we do things, the unconscious mind. And um, he came out with this one term that has become so popular, follow your bliss. And that's really what you guys are all about in this generation. So I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And, and Joseph Campbell, I believe, is the, uh, the hero's journey guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. really interesting stuff. It Totally. There's a, um, there's a video set that was produced in the 80s with Bill Moyers called uh, The Power of Myth, I think. And I try to watch it every couple of years because it's so valuable. I mean, you can just see the patterns repeating in our society. And, and when you see when you're aware of what the repetitious patterns are, that sometimes they're not that healthy, we can stop them. And I think you guys are doing that in a lot of ways, you guys. Thanks, Connie. I appreciate so, it. So what are what has been the response to the elite man, uh, the magazine and the podcast and everything? Tell me what have you learned from it that you're taking on to uh, to bring to this new podcast and everything that's coming up in 2017? <laughs> that's a great question. I think, I mean, I've learned so much by doing this podcast. It, it literally changed my personal life and also my professional life because um, the, the, the amount of people and connections I've been able to make by having this podcast, like you mentioned, Dan uh, Milman. Dan Milman. Don't you love him? He's an incredible, <laughs> incredible. And I've been following yeah. him for years. And I watched even his movie and read his book. Me too. Uh, it's yeah. just incredible having guys like that who you looked up to for so long. And you get to, t it's almost like a personal coaching session a lot of the time, too. Uh -huh. I have these people and even these entrepreneurs, these business guys that I follow. And you know, I've been you know listening to their stuff for a while. And I actually get to follow up on a lot of the questions I have about some of their work. And it's so cool. Um, being able to get like these guests on your show and connect with them and not just, you know, the bigger names like Dan Millman, uh, but even some of the smaller name or lesser known names that are sort of like in my league or in my ballpark. Um, they open up so many doors by the connections and, and networking opportunities you make with them. So sure. it, it's just changed my life altogether. And, um, you know, I, I think going back, sometimes I listen to some of those earlier episodes I had, you know, one through like 25 or 30 and it's just, it's excruciating to listen to. Like, oh, I know, I know. I feel your pain because I had this. <laughs> oh my gosh, I was so bad. And sometimes I forgot to turn the mic on for the other. It was bad, but it was horrible. But, yeah, it's a, I, I'm sure you're familiar, Connie. Like the more you do it, the just the more comfortable you get with it. Sure. Um, the better the quality of the show is. The better the guests, the uh, the value they bring to it because you're asking them better questions. You're following up better. Sure. Um, you're kind of steering the direction of the conversation better. So it's just like night and day from where it is now to where it used to be. And um, it, like I said, it's opened up so many doors for me and even personally, like given me so much confidence and, you know, going out and speaking and doing some of the um, speaking engagements I do. And um, yeah, I, I just couldn't have been happier with the decision to start a podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. I think it's been, it was sort of a passion project, but now it's, uh, it's, I really enjoy doing it 
and I feel like it's more of a service and I've gained confidence. Like you said, like at first I was like, why am I doing this? What am I, you know, I had the same thing, just an idea. And so anyway, enough about me. <laughs> so I, I really, I love everything you're doing. And I'm also curious about your, your peer group. And I want to be a good mom to my kids who are in your peer group. So we can further explore this, but I want to go to, uh, you, you wrote an article about this time last year called the 10 happiness secrets. And I think this is good for guys and girls, but we can, we can kind of focus in on your age group. And I love how much wisdom you have in this article. And I kind of want to lay it out as a framework for sort of some New Year's resolutions, perhaps, or I don't even like those. I don't, I don't usually make resolutions, but I like to have an idea of uh, sort of a reflection of the year prior, and then sort of maybe some ideas of what I'd like to accomplish in the next year, or maybe the next quarter. So I like this idea of this article, because you talk about happiness. And don't, don't you find... I mean, I think it's true for for everyone of any gender, any age, any any background. We all just want to be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I absolutely. mean, it's so common. And like you said about uh, the the goals of guys in your age group. I mean, they want to have a good personal life. They want to make that whatever the work that they're doing in the world make it work with their personal life and not detract from it. So I think, I think it's really a positive thing. And so, so the first thing you say in this article, you have 10, 10 happiness secrets. The first one is most people will never find happiness in life because they spend all their time doing things that make them unhappy from working too much to not having a job they like to not spending time with their children or eating unhealthy. I'm so glad you put that in to not taking care of themselves and they focus their efforts on things that don't make them happy and then they miss out. So on that happiness. So, yeah, I think that's really important. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? How do we get past that in 2017? How can we let go of all those things? Yeah, that's, you know, I'm glad you brought that up, Connie. It's just like everyone has that too. Like you mentioned resolution for the new year. They want to, you know, get back into shape. They want to quit smoking. Uh, They have their goals for their work, how much money they want to make, et cetera. Um, and then it never happens. So it's like, it's a great topic to sort of lead the new year off with sort of on a positive note. Um, but actually stick to some of the things that you want to do, like really make those resolutions and make 2017 the year that you get things done. Yeah. Uh, we can talk about, you know, goal setting later on too, if, if you want, but, um, diving right, like right into the happiness sort of topic, like number one, the unfortunate reality is that most people won't find happiness as I kind of say in the article. And, um, it, it's, it's unfortunate, but it, it's kind of true. And it, it's good to know so that you're not one of those people who fall into that category. You know, you don't, you don't, you're not one of those people who works too much or, um, you know, passes their, their children off on the babysitter 40 hours a week just because, um, you're not around or you think, you know, making more money is going to, is going to make you happier. Um, you know, going to, going out to eat six, seven times a week because you don't want to make healthy food or you don't want to uh, spend the extra money on, on getting good quality, healthy food, organic food. Um, not taking care of yourself. Like these are the things that really matter. Your health, your family, your friends, um, the, the things that are, are 
that money can't buy, the things that aren't materialistic, those are the things that actually make a difference. And there's a ton of research that goes into this. Um, Daniel Kahneman is, is a guy that comes to mind, psychologist, who did a lot of work in this too, by the way. Um, he, he figured out, I forget the exact number, but it was something like fifty to $100,000 or something, like, you know, a, a pretty median average for, for an American family. Mm-hmm. Something like fifty to 100000 a year is all you needed to basically be happy. Like, the happiest people in America made that kind of just average money. And it was only mm-hmm. because they could buy food, they could buy shelter, and, you know, their essential, their, the, the necessities. Other than that, you know, all the other stuff, the uh, Mercedes-Benz, um, the Rolex watches, the vacations, you know, that really didn't matter, he found out. After a certain uh, um, amount of money, people's happiness leveled off. So like all these people looking to be billionaires or um, have hundreds of millions of dollars or even just millions of dollars so, so they can, you know, work overtime all the time and, and miss out on some of the essential things, um, essential moments like spending yeah. time with their family. He found out these people were all missing out on what actually made them happy. And it is the more work they put in, the more time they spent away from the things that make people happy, the less happy they actually became. So it kind of leveled off after a hundred thousand. I think the I think the number was a hundred thousand. A hundred thousand dollars, it leveled off, and people's happiness actually started to go down. That's so interesting. That is yeah. really interesting. I love that that conversation because things get really complicated when you have a lot of money. Because then you got like Donald Trump so eloquently. <laughs> shared with us that he had to figure out how to not pay taxes. You know, you got to figure out what you're going to do with all that money. So yeah, it's, uh, you can do a lot of good with it, though. There is a lot of good you can do with it. So nothing wrong with it, as long as you're not too attached to it. So that's a great, great conversation. So I love this second one. You say happiness is a warm gun. Just kidding. Happiness (laughs) is not a warm gun. You say people who are violent or aggressive or angry are generally the unhappiest people in life. I think that's really, I'm glad that's number two, because holding on to anger, not allowing forgiveness into your life is just a happiness negator from the word go. So yeah, yeah. And I think it's interesting that that's number two. Do you have any um, comments on why that was number two? Was that a big? Yeah, it it was big. It was... um... There was definitely research in uh, theguardian.com. If you guys want to check it out, there was a good article on um, some of the some of the research that they did. The statistics said that um, the more violent, the more aggressive that some people were, um, these people actually had tended to be the most unhappy people in, in life. And um, looking back at, it, I mean, it makes sense. You know, you look at people who are always angry; they're always down. They they typically have a bad. Uh, self-image or a bad self-worth about themselves. They're always um, sort of like the haters or the negative people who are mm-hmm. always bringing other people down. Mm-hmm. And this leads to their own, their own unhappiness. And it also leads to them acting out on this and being aggressive and trying to harm others or put them down. Um, so I think that the key takeaway for this one is to really practice um, being happy and, and just loving who you are. You know, everyone's in, everyone's um, not perfect. We're all imperfect people. We all have our imperfections. We all have things we don't love about ourselves. Um, but it, it, it's good to sort of practice, I guess, mindfulness and, and being grateful for the things that you do have, like the skills you do have, the things you were um, you know, given in this world. And especially people in America or people in you know um, uh, first world countries like Canada or uh, England, and you know just. Think about other people in Africa or, you know, Kenya and Ethiopia, mm-hmm. some of the poorest countries in the world. Like what, what do you have, you know, so much more that they don't have? Like running water, heat, 
um, a, a shelter, you have, you have home over your uh, over your head. Um, these people are, are walking around in you know dirt, basically ground uh, dirt floors and um, you know wooden um, wooden houses, and mm-hmm. you know they're just quality of living is so much worse than ours. And uh, practicing that gratefulness of what you have can really help turn this around and make you a happier person and less angry at the world. Truth. And you you talk about anger management as being founded on uh, this belief that that violent people, angry people are the unhappiest people in life. So anger management, if you have an anger issue, if the anger is really coming up on a regular basis, it's probably a good idea to get some, some professional uh, help. Wouldn't you say? I, I'm a big proponent of counseling or or get a get a a neutral third party to uh, yeah. talk to you maybe it's a member of the clergy or or um you know a therapist or something so yeah i'm big on therapists too i, I recommend therapists all the time and not just like psychiatrists you know the three prescriptions um you know the first thing they do is throw you a, a bottle of uh antidepressants right, or something right. but more of like a psychologist like you mentioned or social worker someone to listen to you and just kind of um let you vent and actually just hear you out and, mm-hmm. and you know kind of figure out what your problems are where they're stemming from and then how you can get over them i think that's a great point point. and it's great to talk to your friends but sometimes your friends know you too well and they're not going to be a neutral uh sounding board for you so so i like the idea of finding someone who's a little more neutral so yeah Mm-hmm. And then number three is perfect. It's so great. The little things make people happy. So volunteering, giving back, helping the elderly, doing things to help someone else is so, so profound. It's really the key to uh, happiness in my book, I think. Study after study, you say, documents the pleasure people get from helping others. So yeah, that's a no brainer, I think. Especially during this holiday season, there's so many people who would enjoy your time, who could use, you know, a hot meal. So, yeah, volunteering is always like at the top of the list for the happiest people in the world are always the people who volunteer their time, uh, their energy, their support. And they're always the people who are helping or teaching other people how to do things. And this is, you know, a homeless shelter or even teaching a younger child um, I mean, this can vary from, from place to place or person to person. You know, you just, the, the point in this one is basically giving your time, your energy, your focus into someone who needs it or could use it. And, uh, for some reason, I don't know if it's just, you know, the, the way we are, um, naturally gifted by God or whatever, you, whatever you believe in that, you know, how we're, what we come from, but giving to other people has just been probably the single best thing you can do to make yourself happy. And it's kind of like, you know, giving you get karma kind of thing, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it works in tenfold. Yeah. Yeah. How may I serve? That's why I like what I like to say before I teach a yoga class or get on this podcast. I think I forgot today though. So I'm saying it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that's a good one. And the next one we already touched on number four, you can't buy happiness. You, you did touch on that a little earlier. You say that money doesn't necessarily make people happy. In fact, it might make them unhappy. So yeah, mm-hmm. lots of research behind that. How about all the people who win the lottery and then they end up crashing and burning? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's bad. Okay, so number five, even the most depressed people can find happiness. I'm so glad you say this because especially during the holiday season, there seem to be more, uh, there's more depression during the winter, there's seasonal affective disorder, and I've never had a clinical depression, so I can't speak 
uh, from personal experience, but I know that when people get into that deep depression, it's really difficult and it's hard to see the light. And no matter what anybody says, you can't see, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. So yeah, you say no matter how low or down and out you feel, you can always get yourself out of a funk. It's never too late to find happiness. Never give up. Severely depressed, if you are, seek help. Truly, yeah. It's glad, good that you say that. But I find that I have found, I wrote a book called Back to Happy about getting over grief, and it's really a process. So if you are suffering from depression, anxiety, don't you believe it's sort of a process to dig yourself back out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I was ser- severely depressed for, for six months. Uh, I couldn't pull myself out of it. I was suicidal. I was having suicidal thoughts mm-hmm. for, for a good six months and literally had zero hope of ever getting out of this. And it's like, why am I even here? What, like, what, what's the purpose of this? So I always like to say, you know, as, as bad as I was, there's always hope. I, I ended up pulling myself out of there, out of, out of my own hole. Um, and, and overcoming this and just kind of like, you know, I tell people like, look where I am now to where I used to be before. Like it was so bad back then, but if I can do it, anybody can do it. And we'll give your information because I know you've covered this with lots of different experts in your podcast and you've written articles and stuff. We'll give that information at the end, but can you give us like the first step? Like what was the first step you took to get yourself uh, back to some sense of balance? The first, so the first like realization I had, uh, I'll, I'll give you a first a practical step, but the first realization I had was that I wasn't going crazy because I was getting anxiety, getting depressed, um, having suicidal thoughts. And I thought I'd literally lost my mind and I was going to go to the hospital, like, you know, in a mental ward, but wrapping myself around it, like actually figuring out that there was a ton of other people that had these problems, like up to 20 to 30% of the American population has some sort of anxiety, depression or depression problem at some point in their lives. And that number can vary too. Some, some people say it's even higher than that. Um, but realizing that I wasn't alone, actually a lot of my friends had these problems and uh, I went to a couple therapists and realized that that, that was incredible because um, you know so many other of these people that I had no idea had these problems were actually dealing with them too. So I wasn't alone and it, and it was just really reassuring to me. But the first practical step I, I want to mention um, was something that I did called self-hypnosis. And <laughs> for anyone who's ever heard of hypnosis, you're probably thinking of the guy, you know, swinging the, uh, mm-hmm. the clock around like a pendulum um, and putting you into like a deep trance and telling you, you know, to sort of brainwash you to doing things. It's not like that at all. What it is, basically, the sort of 20-second rundown of what hypnosis is, is tapping into your subconscious mind, the part of your mind that controls your feelings, your emotions, the, uh, the, the sort of un, um, unconscious uh, parts of your body, like your bodily rhythms, your heartbeat, etc., that you can't consciously control. And these are the, this is the part of your body that's actually the more powerful part, part of your mind, I should say. It's the more powerful part of your mind. And hypnosis taps into this part of the mind. Like, for instance, you can't say, I want to feel happy or I want to um, get out of this depression and, you know, mm-hmm. snap your fingers and you're happy all of a sudden. It doesn't work like that. Like, you can't consciously do that. But you can unconsciously tap into that side by doing something like hypnosis and then you feed your subconscious mind positive affirmations of, of uh, coming out of your depression or coming out of your unhappiness and uh, being happy and being confident or being grateful. And over, say, a few weeks or um, a month or so, um, after giving yourself your, your subconscious mind these affirmations, it slowly kicks into gear and, and sort of overrides um, your, your unhappiness mm-hmm. feeling or your depressed feeling. And you can slowly 
get yourself out of a depression this way. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, see an expert though. <laughs> see an, see a good hyp- hypnosis expert. So yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, so so the next one is happiness is relative. Uh, yeah, a lot of people go through some really crazy shit, <laughs> really hard stuff, and <laughs> some people some people deal with it. What's that line from the Lion King? Some people sail through their troubles and some have to live with the, with the scars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really true. I mean, some people can just be happy all the time and their lives are falling apart all around them, but it's, it's a matter of attitude. So it is relative to some extent, but I don't know. I, I have a little bit of a problem with comparing ourselves to other people. Um, you know, like, oh, he's got it so much worse. I feel like we're kind of all in this together. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you what do you think about that? This happiness is relative. What's your I, ideas? I, I, I think comparing yourself um, to somebody like that in that regard is kind of uh, a bad thing to do. But saying uh, putting it this way, like, you know, that person, uh, I, you know, instead of looking at, you know, what they don't have, you look at what you have. So you say, um, you know, that person living in Ethiopia doesn't have heat. They don't have running water. They don't have electricity. They don't have a car to take them, you know, to and from work. Uh, they don't have a gym that they can go to to exercise to keep themselves healthy. They don't have the foods at the supermarket that we have to eat healthy, um, to keep in, in, into great shape. So rather than like looking at it like, oh, you know, that person has nothing and, you know, I have more than them. It's more like actually I'm incredibly grateful for all these things mm-hmm. that I have because – you know, there, unfortunately, there's people in this world who don't have these things, um, and I, I'm blessed to have these things. And it's more of like practicing like gratefulness throughout the day, like that mindfulness of Gratitude. taking time out of your day to just think about all the things that we're blessed with. And anyone listening to this podcast right now, I can tell you, is blessed with uh, with so much more than a lot of other people on this planet. So just you know, taking a couple minutes, even if it's two, three minutes, and just kind of actively thinking about what you have that 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 you're, you're grateful to have, that you're blessed to have, um, can actually make you happier. And I should say, um, there's different, there's different numbers too on this as well, but some, some people have quoted up to 90% of our thoughts, uh, throughout the day are negative thoughts. Mm -hmm. Like they're self-doubting they're they, they put, we put ourselves down like the self-talk that we have is negative. So it's incredible that we can actually go through life and, and be relatively happy when all our thoughts in our head are negative. Just taking a couple of minutes out of your day and making these thoughts positive can make a huge, huge impact on your well-being and, and how you think about things. Mm, yes, very good. You're so wise. And that mindfulness practice, those, that meditation and any practice that allows you to still be still enough to recognize that those thoughts are there is going to, it's going to just that awareness is going to create the opportunity for gratitude there so much more often. So, so that's good. Mm-hmm. I love the next one. The next one is all about exercise, exercise, all of those endorphins. Don't we love those endorphins? So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm glad you put that in there because happiness is a body, mind, spirit balance really. And your, your body, you have to eat the good food and you got to get some movement going and, you say when you exercise, you release endorphins and other feel-good chemicals in the brain. So we should do it three to five days out of the week. What's your exercise of choice? <laughs> um, I, I do both weights and cardio. So I'll usually do weights three to four times a week. Um, 
I'll, I'll do like um, back and biceps, uh, chest and triceps. I'll do legs, squats, um, deadlifts, leg press. Um, and then I'll do some cardio days where I'm doing just, you know, strictly cardio for 45 minutes or an hour. And then, you know, the other thing I like to do is, is hop in the sauna, which, you know, helps me sweat out mm-hmm. a lot of toxins in my body. And uh, there's also some good research by uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick on the benefits uh, on your hormones and how they actually optimize your hormones if you're in a sauna for uh, about 20 to 30 minutes in pretty hot temperatures, like I think a 150 or above um, degrees Fahrenheit, like like really hot. But getting all that sweat, the toxins out of you, just that in its sense, it, you know, by itself is incredible. But but it also has an effect um, on on your hormone levels and you know optimizing your hormones and such. Have you tried hot yoga? I actually have a few times. It was uh, it was really cool. It was really hot. <laughs> really but, cool. Uh, Not cool it, at all. It's, it's an yeah. incredible feeling. It is. Yeah, I love hot yoga. I took a class yesterday and sweated my bum off. So. Okay. How, how hot do they put the room in there? It's not know? 150. You would not be able to stay there very long. It's about anywhere from 85 to 100 something. Yeah, yeah. not 100, like right around 100. It's It gets really hot when you're moving and you're flowing through a vinyasa. So, yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> but you sweat. Sweat like Love a sauna. It. So it's great. <laughs> All right, friendship, social uh, connection is really important. And I love that you talked about that earlier. I feel like that might be one of my, uh, if I have a New Year's resolution, I want to try to get together with my friends more often because um, it's hard. I mean, we live such busy lives. And like you said, we're more, in a lot of ways, more isolated than ever because so many of us work at home or you know, we're, we're living away from our family in a lot of, in a lot of cases where we've moved away after college and we're just, we don't have that, that pre-made support system that we had for generations. We don't have that anymore. So what do you, what do you suggest? Like what are the ways that your generation is using to, to meet new people? And, um, aside from the dating sites, yeah, the, the the thing I always recommend to people um, who who want to get connected, or if you want to um, if you want to potentially go out on more dates, you know, meet more women or meet more men. Uh, if you want to make more connections, meet more interesting people, or if you want to meet people who are like minded who want the same things as you, uh, one of the best resources for that actually is Meetup. Like going to Meetup.com, searching some of your interests, mm-hmm. and then I mean, there, there's some there's kind of some negative stigma on that now too as well because you'll find these Meetup groups who um, who aren't that aren't that great, or you know, they, there's only a couple people in it. You go to it, and it's kind of lame or kind of boring. But there's actually some really cool meetup groups on there. If you kind of look around and, and search some, you'll find some really good ones where you know you're, you're taking a class or you're taking you know some like a hobby that you wanted to do, um, and you just go there and you're meeting people who want the same things that you want or who have the same interests or the same uh, activities and hobbies that you have. And it's such a great way to connect with people. So that's one way. The other way is also is signing up for something that you want to do. Like, um, for instance, like a dance class or an acting class, an improv class, mm-hmm. um, doing things like that um, that you wanted to maybe try for a while. Maybe that pushes you out of your comfort zone. Um, 
places like that, you're going to meet some incredible people who are doing things um, that you want to do and that maybe push you out of your comfort zone and make you kind of, uh, you know, put yourself into places that you haven't done. Because I think it, as human beings, we all want novel things. We all want to try different new things and kind of push ourselves. And, you know, there's great ways to do that. Meetup.com is a great way, finding something like that, but also doing something maybe challenging or maybe that you don't know if you can do, um, but, but trying that out as well. What's the craziest thing you've tried that you never thought you would? Uh, there's been a few things, but the number one craziest thing has to be um, taking a dance class. And I was the only guy, and there was 30 other women in the class. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was a contemporary dance class. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was incredible. The confidence I got from doing that was second to none. And I always recommend doing that all the time. Wow, good for you. That's that's impressive. I like that. When I was in my, I guess, well, late 20s, early 30s, I started doing community theater, and I had been doing theater for a while but um, my husband who would never in a million years think of doing that um, we lost our drummer in our orchestra and I knew my husband played the drums so I asked him to sit in and he ended up loving it and bought a drum set and it started a whole even though it was musical theater and it was you know kind of dorky and he's a rocker (laughs) he had the best time and it sort of did put him out of his comfort zone but there was i'll never forget the last show uh, i'm trying to think what show it was i think it was damn yankees the last show of the run they put the spotlight on him and he had a drum solo in the middle of this like musical theater number that was it was so cool and he just that is awesome yeah yeah so so don't be afraid because the the least likely thing can bring out a whole new opportunities so yeah it's kind of cool absolutely okay uh we have two more so number nine is finding a lifelong partner or spouse makes you happy so are are you guys in your age group really looking to get married and settle down or what what's the What's the consensus there in your experience? Yeah, that, that's a good, a great question. Um, the funny thing is I actually started out primarily doing dating coaching, and I actually have a couple dating books that I wrote, and, uh, and so this is kind of right in my ballpark. But the funny thing is is I, I started off doing this dating coaching years back, and um, I, I thought when I started doing it that a lot of the guys that I'd be working with would want to hook up with a lot of women. You know, They wanted to kind of be players, um, you know, I was probably 21, 22 when I started doing this stuff. And, you know, I, I thought, you know, I just have to do as much like pickup art, not pickup artist stuff, because I always knew that I didn't like, you know, pickup lines and, and stuff like that. But I thought I'd more have to kind of gear it towards the guy who would look, the guys who were looking for that stuff, because, you know, everybody my age wants to hook up with as many women as possible. But long story short, what I realized is that a lot of these guys I was working with, at the end of the day, they re- all they really wanted was to find a great woman, to fi- find a great lifelong partner. Um, and it was about uh, making themselves as attractive and, and making themselves the best guys they could be. But that was only because they wanted to find the best woman they could find. They wanted to find um, someone that could they could settle down with. So yes, um, to answer your question, guys and, and women for that matter are looking for a long-term spouse and you know, they're looking at them even even at a younger age in their 20s, um, 30s, but they're also, they're looking to find the right one. So they'll, they'll kind of mess around a little bit and, and go out on dates and try different people and, and see if they're the right sort of fit. But at the end of the day, what they really want is to find the right fit and they want to find that one person they can settle down with for the most part. Hmm. I love this last line of this one. You say the most important thing in life is to love and be loved by someone. Some things just never change. 
right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a great quote. And I forget, someone wise man told me that years ago, probably 10 years ago now. Um, and I, it just always stuck with me. It, it made sense. And um, I always like to share that with other people, too, because I think it's true. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. All right, the last one is my favorite. This is laughing, being silly, and living like a child makes you happy. Yeah, there's nothing better than a belly laugh. Like when you're with your with a friend or somebody or somebody else, and you just start have that laughter that you can't stop, and your belly hurts. Oh, <laughs> that's so awesome. How do you, how do you generate that kind of uh, childlike delight in your life? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And I have a girlfriend, too, right now. And I think the best way, uh, the secret, really, to, to having happiness in our relationship is to have this sort of seven-year-old playful demeanor with each other. So we take things serious. You know, she actually helps me out with a lot of my business um, stuff online. And, um, you know, she, we, we take things serious when it's time to take things serious. But when it's like just us hanging out, like me and her, um, it, it's sort of like playtime. Like we're just joking around, being silly, being goofy, teasing each other all the time. Um, you know, just like singing and, and being goofy, we're just having playful demeanors all the time. You know, it's kind of like, you know, thinking of right now, like how we act to each other when it's just like us two around. I'm, I'm kind of like laughing in my head right now just because <laughs> I can think of, you know, some of the goofy stuff we're doing. But it, that's what it is. I think that's really the key to, to, re, to having a great relationship and to also staying young and being happy is, is to be playful, be silly. Because I mean, you only live life once. There's no point in, in being mad or serious all the time or taking things too serious. Why not just joke around and, and laugh about life and, you know, be happier when you do it? Mm, be yourself. Be authentic. Call yeah. up that inner child. Yeah. I, I love this. You are a wise young man, Justin. Good job. Good job. Thank you. I'm really impressed by all the work you're doing. And, and I'm grateful that you came on this podcast to share your wisdom with my listeners. As we, as we move into 2017, maybe you could give us like one overarching idea that could add to our happiness, no matter what age we are, no matter whether we are women or men or, you know, from whatever background is there is there any one tip you could give us for starting this new year fresh and with renewed uh energy and and excitement and happiness there's definitely a few i have to say the number one thing though is to find a purpose find something that makes you tick that makes you energized um, I mean, we mentioned a lot of great tips already, you know, living in the present moment, making friends, um, socializing. Those are all great things. But the final thing is, is just find something that gets you out of bed and gets you excited. You know, whether that's um, just having a, a hobby that you pick up, whether that's taking an acting class or a dance class, something maybe you wanted to do for a while. Maybe that's uh, a new career shift or something you want to maybe dedicate the next um, period or time season in your life to. Uh, maybe like you said, that's blogging or, or getting a podcast or um, doing some e-commerce sort of uh, a business opportunity that comes your way. Whatever it is, something – a lot of people who are unhappy don't have something to look forward to in their life. And really finding that purpose, finding something that excites you and energizes you is probably the number one key to happiness and, and finding a, 
um, what you can be grateful for. So, uh, so as a last sort of takeaway, it's definitely just find a purpose in 2017, find something that motivates you and that's going to get you excited and, and hop at it, hop, get you to hop out of bed each day. I love that you said that because when you find your purpose, what, no matter what it is, maybe it's to spread peace, to spread love, to teach, to heal, to do whatever you feel your purpose is in this life. And sometimes that takes a little bit of uh, sleuthing to find that. That helps you to weed out all those things in that first uh, number one, the first uh, happiness buster that you talked about, how we'd spend too much time doing things that don't make us happy. When you know your purpose, you can say, is this person or is this activity leading me down the path to my purpose and then if it's not you can let it go yeah it's kind of a it's a great that's a really great piece of advice find your purpose follow your bliss as joseph campbell said (laughs) beautiful okay justin give us all the information about your podcast your new podcast your magazine your everything so people can work with you as a coach or whatever they want cool thanks connie i appreciate that (laughs) Um, yeah, and thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate um, Oh, it's been know, fun talking getting... to you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So if anyone wants to learn more information, just check out the uh, new podcast. It came out uh, December 5th on iTunes. It's The Justin Stenstrom Show. It's J-U-S-T-I-N-S-T-E-N-S-T-R-O-M. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, you know, we have just incredible uh, sort of top world-renowned, uh, da- um, not dating, health, fitness, um confidence, all sorts of topics we cover on the show, just experts in all those fields. Um, We have some celebrities on the show. Um, So just world-renowned experts and and life coaches and, um, you know, giving giving people the best advice on how to be um, successful and how to just find happiness. So check out the show. And also the uh, website is EliteManMagazine.com or just my name, JustinStenstrom.com as well to, uh, to find anything else. So I appreciate it again, Connie. Awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. Keep up the good work and Happy New Year. Yeah, thank you. Happy New Year to you too. <laughs> All right, take care. Happy, A Journey of Hope, Healing, and Waking Up is a small but powerful book about healing from one of life's greatest tragedies, the loss of a child. It's about love and sadness and being human. The nine lessons in Back to Happy are intended to be food for a broken but awakening soul. Healing from grief and loss is possible. Finding joy again is possible. Back to Happy, in paperback, Kindle and audiobook at Amazon.com. For more information, visit backtohappybook.com.